0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Wrap, brought to you by Crowcast. With me tonight is at alone. How are you going, Mac? You uh, with me tonight?
1: Yeah, no, I'm in good form, so I reckon we'll we'll box on and we'll hold the fort alone, mate. Yeah,
0: it sounds like a good plan. Uh, Nikki, unfortunately, uh, not well this evening, so uh, just the two of us. But plenty to talk about. Obviously, a disappointing. Uh, Result for the Crows this week, Mac um, And a pretty hard round of tip
1: Yeah, well as we were just talking before we came on air Before the Frio game I've got 5 out of 8 And I think that's pretty good Because um, I went for a couple of non-favourites And uh, well, if you follow the favourites You wouldn't have too many
0: No, that's right
1: I I think you said the thing that you've uh, Actually done that. It's been a bit harsh on you.
0: Yeah, not not good. Only three so far, and we'll see what Frio does. But uh, anyway, good evening to everyone on the chat as well, and we'll rip into the scores roundup, shall we? <clears throat> Yes, a very difficult round to tip, uh, Mac, and uh, I don't know, it started badly on Friday night and it didn't get any better. (laughs) On Thursday night, I should say.
1: Yeah, it certainly wasn't too good Thursday night, that's for certain. No,
0: never mind. Um, Look, uh, I'm just trying to bring up my bloody results thing here. Here we are.
1: Well, the next game, that was uh, Melbourne and Essendon, and uh, Essendon got up over Melbourne. Yeah, here uh, we go.
0: Essendon, one thirty to Melbourne, one one two, a margin there of 18 points, and that was the start of the rort for... Not the start, but uh, apart from the Crows game. (laughs) I I didn't give Essendon a chance in this game.
1: Well, I tipped them, and uh, illogically, I thought, because... uh, I, I just couldn't tip melbourne because of the fact that, the, that the, their defense is so poor at the moment yeah. and uh, and i thought if they actually do spark on with their runners and get, get them running they could actually uh, cut a sway through that defense because um that's where they're missing the most it's a couple of key players and uh, uh, they've got no defense at the moment they they they're not going to win very many games if they get those players back
0: no, I don't know. I don't know what it is with the D's at the moment, actually. But they got some work to do. Anyway, uh, then on Saturday we had uh, Sydney getting up over Carlton. I don't know why. I pick, why did I pick Carlton, Macca? Sydney getting up ninety three to seventy four, a margin there of nineteen points.
1: Well, that would be my question to you. Why would you pick Carlton? Um, look, Carlton are improved this year. There's no doubt about that. They've improved and. Uh, I'm delighted with the way the results have got because it could still, at the moment, keeps the Blues well down there. Um, but they don't seem to have the ability to run out a full game. They can play at a reasonably good standard now with, with some of the players that they've uh, acquired elsewhere, and uh, but they can't maintain it. Sydney, on the other hand, um, they're not much for a team either because uh, they, you know, they, they, they cobbled up a win out of it, but that's about all you could say out of it.
0: Yeah, and I actually probably uh, thought that Sydney were worse. I I didn't think Carlton actually played too badly last week and I didn't think Sydney played that well against us and I I just had the feeling that uh, Carlton might sneak one in. But anyway, um, the Giants are doing my tip some good though, 125-76. to I don't think uh, the Tigers have still ever won up at spotless, have they?
1: Not to my knowledge, and uh, they never ever looked like really winning that game either. At the moment, um, it was good to uh, to see. Uh, as I said many times before, I'm a Canelio fan, and it was good to see him back in full flight again. And of course, uh, uh, their wingman he just he just cuts them to pieces, and oh, overall, Wetfield. Wetfield. Oh, yeah. look, I remember saying years ago with all the young boys, of all the ones I would like to pinch off, it would be Wetfield because. That's the type of play we would love to have oh, on yeah. our side. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah,
1: but, yeah, but it, look, uh, Richmond, uh, you know, they've lost their bookends and uh, there's not much in between. And Dusty Martin, um, not only did he play what I thought was it, he's actually, um, in football, if he was in uh, civilian life, he'd be a dole bludger because he's actually running past and wanting other people to do all the hard work and give the ball to him. And, I mean, he hadn't had a tackle before this game and uh, he got frustrated in this game and he's built somebody in the head behind play, which they've caught, and I, he'll get games for that. He's then made indecent gestures, etc., and uh, uh, calling uh, somebody a drug cheat, etc., etc. Uh, so I would think that he might not be playing for quite a while.
0: Yeah, you've probably got to question Dusty's hunger after having won a flag. It's not there. It is not there. It's certainly not there at the moment. Uh, and you know, perhaps predictably so. Anyway, um, the Lions getting up. Uh, it's good, solid win. Lions travelling pretty well at the moment, 107 to 90 over the power. Um, they kept Lycett sort of out of the game a little bit and uh, uh, they're looking the goods at the moment, Brisbane.
1: Yeah, I, this is a game where I, I you know, you had to make a choice really between the two games, uh, Brisbane Lion and Port and uh, Western... Uh, sorry, uh, Collingwood... Uh, West Coast Eagles. Obviously, the Collingwood West Coast Eagles was going to be the classier game, but because I hate Port so much, I watched it hoping they would lose, and they did. And I've got to hand it to Brisbane Lions. Um, They they've got a lot of talent on the rise at the moment, and that's you know if you if you support a footy team and they're not going to be the premier for that year, what you really like to do is to see this growth. uh, And uh, Brisbane Lions has certainly got it. On the other hand, uh, Connor Rosie played it absolute ripper! It. it just made me spew even more that we missed out oh, on him
0: look i don't even want to talk about it um yeah <laughs> um hawthorne sneaking over the line against north melbourne 87 71 that was pretty close all game probably closer than most people expected
1: yeah i'd say so if i watched that game and uh, and i have to say that it wasn't of a particularly high standard but When there were some good bits of play, it was basically Hawthorne that did it, which is why they won the game. Look, even even when they've got players out, even when they're not going so well, they've got those very very clever individuals who can do the right thing at the right time, and uh, yeah, they got up because they just do that.
0: Yeah, the Eagles getting up over Collingwood in the grand final replay, ninety eight to seventy six, a pretty solid win. Collingwood didn't look that flash, I didn't think.
1: Didn't see that game, as I said, because I, watched, I chose to watch Sport lose, which gave uh, me a lot of joy, actually.
0: <laughs> and uh, the last game, which is still in pros... Uh, sorry, one other one. The Suns doing really well at the moment, Gold Coast, and uh, uh, sort of making every post a winner, 73-68 to 68 away against Western Bulldogs. A really, really good win for that club.
1: I watched that game, and I loved it, actually, because it was... Good seeing an underdog like the Gold Coast fighting on. And the interesting thing is that um, they've lost, in the last year or two, they've lost a heap of what they would call high-class players and highly paid players. And they would go out there and get beaten by 10, 15 goals. At the moment, they've got a team of Joe Nobodies who go out there and try their hardest. And uh, I really was barracking for them because, you know, as I said, they're a team of Joe Nobodies at the moment, but they got up. And they're trying their guts out You can't do any more than that No,
0: certainly can't Um, And of course uh, the game's still in progress It looks like Frio getting up uh, against St Kilda um, And you'd expect that Uh, St Kilda probably made more of a game of it Than what we expected to be honest
1: Yeah, I started watching that game, uh, Fiend, but (laughs) by the stage I had enough of rubbish and I thought, no, I can't watch another game like that. So we'll we'll just let that one pass.
0: Let that one go. Um, Look, that leaves us with a ladder of uh, Geelong and Brisbane undefeated on three wins. Um, Frio will go into third uh, on percentage uh, after today uh, with GWS, Western Bulldogs. West Coast Eagles, Hawthorne Port and St Kilda with the Suns, all on two wins. Uh, one win we have Collingwood, Sydney, Adelaide, uh, Richmond and Essendon. And Carlton North and Melbourne yet to open their account. And at the moment, uh, the only one of those bottom three that really look like it at all is Carlton. Uh, yeah, well,
1: I mean, North Melbourne had their cha- didn't have their chance to get to Hawthorne, Um you know, their skipper, he had uh, Zeeble, he had a, two set shots in the th- I think third or quarter or last, no, third quarter um, right, you know, about 30 metres right out straight in front, missed those and they were at a crucial stage where they could have actually established a little bit of a lead but um, they, I don't know, North Melbourne, they, they play a little bit in fits and spurts, some of it's good and some of it's not so good um, but yeah they, well, there's no finalists in that, that's for sure
0: no, not at all, not at all. Um look, let's uh, not waste any time because we've got tons to talk about with the Adelaide game. So let's hook straight into the match review, shall we? Mecca, 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 Mecca. Oh, what a painful game it was on Thursday night. The Adelaide Crows going down 75 to 99 versus Geelong. The first time Geelong's beaten us at home for a while. They look pretty reasonable. We played okay in patches and terribly in other patches. Um, Before we get into any sort of analysis, Mac, uh, what were your thoughts?
1: Well, the interesting thing is, uh, let me just ask you one question. What did you think of the 350 metres and uh, in, e- in each one in its own merits?
0: Uh, I thought two of the three were there. I didn't think uh, the first one was there. I thought the other two
1: were. Um, I thought the first one wasn't there. The second one was there. And I'm trying to remember what the third one was again. Which one was? Uh, Sloanies. In... No, Sloan was the second one, I think. Uh,
0: was it, um, it was Gibbs, I think.
1: Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure what that was for.
0: I just the the text one actually uh, was wrong because he called Tex for coming forward off the mark, and when you actually look at it, Tex actually goes laterally and he doesn't break the he line. Did. Yeah, so because well, uh, exactly,
1: that's the way the play had run there, and really, you, if anybody should be penalised, should be the umpire because he should have been calling play on.
0: Well, I will tell you what, they called Rory Laird off on just about every time he got a mark. Poor <laughs> so Rory mm-hmm. Led takes one step and uh, it's play on. But Harry Taylor moved to the side and Tex moved to the side as well. And uh, when you actually look at the where the line is, I mean, given that they have to line up the mark with the centre of the goal, so you take that angle and then you, you look where Tex actually moved across and he, he he moved laterally. So that one wasn't a 50.
1: Yeah. yeah. So the only thing is about the other 50 metres, the reason why I mention them is because... Um, uh, not, not to flog the umpires or anything like that, but either by that one error or the other two, which probably were deserved, we actually created a lot of momentum for Geelong to get uh, going in the game, which put us behind the eight ball, in which we never really recovered with our inefficiency, with the usage of the ball. Um, as PJ Crows said, based, his comment was that basically the number of fifties inside 50s we had and the amount of ball we had, we should have had trouble scoring, but he, as he says, and he's nobody can argue with him. At the moment, it's fundamentally dysfunctional.
0: Yeah, well, there's a few other things too that uh, I've picked up which we'll go through in the video analysis, uh, Macca. Probably uh, a couple of things that actually surprised me, to be honest, because uh, uh, a few players that I would have had in our best, um, maybe not so much. Uh, but anyway, let's go through some head-to-head stats. Uh Disposals were in front, 369 to 349 uh, at a 1, 1.32 kick-to-handball ratio, so uh, handballed it a bit. At times, we handballed it quite a bit, uh, and it, it was reasonably successful at times uh, uh, getting through Geelong's zone. Uh, marks were down as a consequence 90 to 108. Geelong kicked the ball far more than we did. Tackles uh, finally was... Respectable, 66. Geelong only 48 tackles. Um, Hit-outs 31 to 37, but I thought we got a bath in the ruck. We can talk about, we, that. Yeah, we did. We did. about that a little bit uh, later. Uh, look, disposals per goal. Again, we were so inefficient. Um, Thirty, Nearly 37 disposals per goal and nearly 15 disposals per, per scoring shot. Uh, Geelong down at 24 and 12. 12 is sort of the... the 11 to 12 is the benchmark, really, so uh, we're inefficient. As the eye could tell, you were in, we are inefficient. clearances were pretty good, 37 to 31. Uh, similar amount of mistakes. They beat us on the rebound 50s, which is how they basically played. They just sat back, as Geelong tend to do against us, just sat back and waited for the turnover or waited for the stupid kick inside fifty. We won the inside 50 count by four, uh, 53 to 49, um, so that we had no trouble getting the ball in, Macker. we had no trouble getting the ball and getting it in, we won con- uh, uncontested possessions 235 to 202, they beat us at the coal face though, 148 to 115, which is a fair discrepancy in contest- contested possessions, I thought. Uh, disposal efficiency uh, up over 70, 71.5, which was okay. Um, Contessa marks, we were down 9 to 14. Marks inside, 50, 12 to 13. Clearances, we won, 37 to 31. one. One percent as we won comfortably, 51 to 36. Uh, yeah, turnovers, uh, 58 to 52. Uh, intercepts fifty three to fifty nine, and tackles inside fifty eleven to three. So, a lot of the metrics, uh, Macca, a lot of the actual stats and the metrics uh, were in our favour,
1: but they don't tell the truth uh, or the total story. Exactly. Um, there's there's two factors that I can think of that um, I'm very very unhappy with the the, the centre structures, for example. All of our players diving in after the ball. They always had one on the outer and, and in our side of the half, which meant they are facing forward then towards their goal. And if when if they got the ball, just straight out to him and straight down the goal, and, and they, with the advantage of the you know the six 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 rule, um, we did not, we did do too bad in the centre, but we. If we ever lost it, it, it was costly, the way that we were structured. And um, we really do need somebody quick on the outside as well to you. So um, I think at times we had the wrong combinations of players in the centre. The other thing is that, um, our, you know, our forward line at the moment, uh, Buddy Jenkins, I mean, seriously, I'm at the point where I'd like to trade him. You cannot keep playing behind your... your, your the, your opponent, and if you can't take overhead marks and contested marks, you have to be leading your guts out. I mean, um, they, they got a lot of very, very easy goals by just playing leads lead into an open space. They, uh, they did the spread, they got their forwards leading in all different directions and creating an opening for the forwards to lead into, and um, they did got several goals that way whereas we did it the hard way bloody all night.
0: Well, a couple of things that I noticed, Maka, um, before I look closely. Uh, one thing I noticed is that when they transition, they transition from behind. So they, instead of leading up uh, to into space, they're leading from behind the kicker diagonally into space, which means that they're pushing players forward and pushing players forward. And at the same time, they're their forward line remains quite open. So they compress quite strongly, uh, you know, 20 to 30 metres from the kicker. And then, of course, once they've got that diagonal cut through, then they've got... They tend to have quite an open forward line going in. The other thing is... Yeah. The other thing is, is that they... I mean, it was hard around the contest, but they played a relatively bruise-free brand of football. They were quite happy to zone us to push us into uncomfortable positions and to force turnovers they didn't try too hard uh, to um, to harass us with ball in hand they they just they just were very well drilled and they forced us to kick to places on the ground that we that were going to be least effective and least painful for them uh, the only and-
1: player for them that really went in desperately hard was dangerfield um and I thought he, he was outstanding, actually. He's easily BOG. Danger, um, was,
0: danger was definitely BOG, but I'll show you some footage in a second. Uh, crikey, what are you got on going on
1: out there? Well, some <laughs> speed maniac going past our place.
0: <laughs> look, all right, I'm just going to go to the video because if you're watching on Facebook at the moment, um, have a look at the video. And if you do happen to get a chance to watch... Afterwards, if you're, or if you're watching this on YouTube, um, because the first quarter obviously was probably the most decisive. maker would you agree?
1: Oh yeah, that's where the game was won and lost.
0: Yep, yeah. and uh, I'd like just to point out some midfield issues uh, that occurred in the first quarter. So, just going to run to this uh, video now. Now, this first one is uh, a setup where you'll see that. We basically leave Dangerfield alone. Dangerfield, I couldn't understand that. Well, what happens, watch where Brad Crouch is. Brad Crouch was on the defensive side of centre and he's actually nowhere near Dangerfield. So Sloan leads Dangerfield under the ball. Dangerfield ke- keeps going. Brad Crouch is out of the play, so he's our defensive midfielder. And he doesn't cover Dangerfield. So Danger then cuts to the flank to get the pass off Ablett. And, and Sloane can't catch him because he's been wrong-footed. But Brad Crouch is nowhere to be seen. It was the <laughs> slackest piece of midfield work you'll ever want to see. So, you know, yes...
1: I, I remember the incident you are talking about because I was actually uh, screaming abuse at the TV at that stage.
0: Yeah. The next one, again, we've got Brad Crouch covering Dangerfield quite well at this point. Okay, but watch what happened. Dangerfield goes... And Crouchy just stays there; he doesn't move. So Dangerfield gets the take off, off the spill off the congestion. Brad Crouch is on the other side of the contest now. Now, they started with Brad Crouch in front of Dangerfield, covering him. The next part of this play is the mid. Their midfielders running forward to get the loose ball. That's come, as the ball was scrubbed into the centre half forward area. D Mac runs past it rather than being defensive. And the next bloke there is, uh, I forget, twenty. who's 22 for Geelong again? I can never remember his name. Um, Duncan. Duncan. He, he's in about two acres of space. Now, he started in the middle with our guys, and yet the closest guy was Sloan, and he was five metres away. So it's just poor running and poor work rate. The next one, again, we've got the situation where Dangerfield's got it on a half-back flank. And if you have a look, all our midfielders are running into the corridor not covering anyone, not even really covering space. And at no stage has Dangerfield looked down the corridor. In fact, Geelong played up and down the line consistently on Thursday night. So Danger goes down the line to a contest. But have a look where our players are. We've got two in front of the ball plus the contest, Kelly in the contest. But you watch the Geelong players run off this ball to, as compared to Rory Sloan and uh, Atkins. And we've got two blokes here, Menengola and Duncan, calling for the ball in the middle, right? Now, they're midfielders. The ball gets kicked in high. Tex is actually contesting this one. The ball spills down. It juggles around a bit. Someone has a snap for goal, and it gets smothered. And it goes into Menengola's hands. Now, Menengola has basically been free... For a minute in that play. Nobody has picked him up in a minute of play. And he missed the shot. But, but that's not. This next one, we've got a front on view. Matt Crouch is running with Kelly, I think it is. And the ball's come in. Kelly's run forward. Matt Crouch has just let him go and then realised, oh shit, I better chase. And he's been burned off by five metres. Our midfield in that first quarter, Mac, was as slack as slack can be. It was terrible. You
1: can't, you can't argue with that. Uh, they, they had loose guys everywhere, as you said, and um, uh, well, we, we, did, we, we didn't work hard enough defensively.
0: No, we didn't, but our positioning was bad. Brad Crouch, um, twice, um, just let Dangerfield go. Now, they were obviously playing one-on-one, or Sloan played on Dangerfield for a little while, and then Crouch went on to him. But both times, Crouch just didn't stay with him. Like, he didn't follow the ball. He was ball-watching and not worrying about where Dangerfield was. But not only that, Crouchy wasn't even in a right position had we got the ball out of congestion. He was absolutely nowhere, macker, Just nowhere.
1: Anyway. Yeah, and and, and that, uh, I'm not doubting anything you said, because there are so many things that uh, you could pick on. That was, that's one area. Can anybody explain to me why... Gibbs was kicking off points. Oh where, look, it cost us a couple of goals. Yeah, um, when you when you've got Smith, who is the the best clearance kicker in the competition, who um, I, I'm just at a loss. I can't understand it. But our uh, Gibbs, was, he was kicking shit out said, all night, and they're allowing him to do the kickoffs. What, what's going on?
0: Yeah, I, I don't get that too. And I'll show a little bit of footage in a minute with our kickoffs. I just want to show some more footage. Um, of our uh, decision-making in the first quarter, Mac, because uh, some of it was atrocious. It really was. It was just mind-blowing, some of this stuff. So the first one here, um, we've got the ball on our half-forward line. It goes to Eddie. This is the one Eddie on the pocket, and he's tried to chip it in the middle. Tex has got it. Two in, in space at centre-half forward, and Tex kicks it on JJ's head to a two-on-one. There was no way that Jenkins was ever going to mark that ball. The second one here. uh, Sorry, I've missed this one. Hang on. Oh, this is a kick out. So we've kicked it out. The uh, ball's gone to Gibbs. He's kicked it out very, very wide. I don't know why we went so wide. anyway, it's chipped around, chipped around, and it's straight to the opposition because we're just so indecisive. So indecisive with our ball movement and then gives gives away that 50. The next one here is the difference between what we were doing and what Geelong were doing because they were just chipping and you notice in that clip that they're all running from behind the kicker, all running from behind the kicker. The next one is the burst through the middle, Mac. This is all in the first quarter. Sloane gets it, handballs it back to Eddie. Who handles it to Matty Crouch, and Matty Crouch just bangs it on his boot to nobody. He's had two runners on his outside, and Chase Jones has ended up forcing it out of bounds. But I have no idea what Matt Crouch was doing. Here's another one: Bryce Gibbs, a big uh, stupid kick out of out of the out of defence. It goes back to uh, Geelong, and they just start spotting up. They just spot up and spot up and spot up, and we're all out of position. And Wayne Millerer, Just let his man go.
1: Yeah, there there was too much of that going on.
0: When we did it right, this is one where we did it right. Sloan to Betts, Betts to Crouch at centre half forward. Or it could have been Lockie Murphy, actually. Over to Atkins. And through for our first goal. That was when we actually had patience and when we actually used players. You know, here's another one coming out of defence where we've gone down the corridor. Riley O'Brien's got it. Nice little chip kick on uh, Riley to, um, I forget who that was, Eddie Betts. We've gone back to Eddie instead of going wide, which was the good thing to do. Eddie's run through, and then he's just kicked it to t- on Texas. Texas like it wasn't kicked to anyone. It was on Texas' head in a two-to-one situation. The next one is Lynch at centre-half forward. Sorry, I'll just run through these, Mac. He's got two blokes going wide and he just kicks it again to Tex on a two-on-one. Like, it was just a stupid place to put the ball. And we've got another one coming out of defence here. Uh, and it's just a hat kick and Geelong take the mark because we're not actually watching. And this one's actually the next good one. Crouch over to Eddie Betts again on the, on the outer side. Oh no, this is a crap one too, I think. <laughs> straight, to, it is too, straight to the opposition. He couldn't lace out text from 15 metres away. This is another one from halfback. Alex Keith just kicks it two or two on one. We're lucky to get out of it. Atkins has got it over to Sloan. Sloan handballs to a stationary Jenkins facing the wrong way. Jenkins can't hit bets with a handball. And the ball goes out of bounds. They're terrible. Horrible. They're terrible horrible. forward 50 entries. Terrible. And then I think this one we actually got right, and this is where—oh no, this is where again—Sloane's just blazed away from fifty, and kicked a point where we had a bloke inside. Uh, this is the good one, I think, and this is where D actually hit someone up at centre half forward. Hits Chase Jones up. We didn't. Whenever we hit that spot at centre half forward, Macca, we got results, but whenever we tried to kick the ball in deep. We were just outnumbered, and I don't know why we persisted in trying to kick the ball deep. All in the first well, quarter, all that stuff was.
1: Well, the interesting thing is, as you quite rightly said, Geelong players always play us the same way. They sit back and wait for us to kick it to them. It's as simple as that. And yet, down the other end, they're leading in front. I just can't work out why one team can lead at leader, another one can't.
0: Well, it's all about space, Mac. It's all about how we move the ball and but the how forwards our forwards have to create that
1: space. They have, to, they have to spread, make room.
0: Well, that's true, and the, well, the thing of it is, is we give up the corridor quite often. We actually st- there are a lot of times where we started our ball movement in the corridor and then went wide.
1: Oh, I remember. Yeah, that was, to- that was it slowly did that you
0: know, we've done that. A- we did that all throughout the game. Um and then so then we've got a then to kick it back into the corridor to that that's actually a dangerous kick then because you're exposing yourself on the on the other way so you know whereas Geelong would quite often come through fr- through the wing and that little chip into the the point of the square and all of a sudden they've got a little chip kick into 35 40 meters out you know the next uh, little bit of clip I'll show you is a third quarter um which I felt like we had our chances in the third quarter, Mac. Well oh, we but, did. We dominated third quarter. Um, but again, we just didn't make the most of them, so we'll just run blew. through these. We blew it in
1: the third quarter, yeah.
0: Yeah. So this first one here uh, was we finally started to move the ball properly into side 50. Uh, Crouchy is a nice nice one over to uh, Eddie, who hits up uh, – who did he hit, hit up um, – sloney so all of a sudden we're starting to chip in sh- drop the eyes and chip in short here's another one where we've kicked it out wide to um to lynch and he's hit up sloney i don't know how selwood thought that was touched but not a chance so we're, we're hitting up those little kicks inside forward 50 at about the 40 meter mark and we're getting results you know this is this is much better movement in the third quarter. Much better movement because we're spreading them wide. We're moving the ball relatively quickly. Keith goes back into the middle, but he kicks it long. And as soon as he kicks it long, we're outnumbered. We're out of three on one, and Menegola's back there to take the mark. So we are. It's the, it's the deep entries, Macca, that are hurting us. It's not the short hit up entries. It's the deep entries. This is another one. Text takes the ball about sixty five meters out and that, this is the one where he's hit um, McKay up and had it been anyone else, someone would have marked it but it was the right spot for Tex to <laughs> kick the ball it was just that it was McKay that was taking the mark here's another one where, um, I think it was Lockie Murphy every time we try to hit the ball up deep Jenkins was playing behind at that point so we have a problem with our blokes that are playing deep forward Mac, because every time we hit up uh, to 40 metres out we've got results here's another one where Miller breaks free gives a handball off to Sloan oh no sorry gives a handball off to um, Jenkins who does that stupid little fake now Brody Smith tries to hit this one in and he hits it straight to the opposition and he had two blokes if he'd had dropped his eyes he had two blokes 20 metres in front of him here's another one where Tommy Lynch again tries to hit up Tex on the boundary line Misses him by five meters, but it's the it's the wrong place to be kicking. It's just we're not kicking to the right areas, Mac.
1: No, and well, you, of course you you've got to lead to the right areas as well. Um, so at the moment, to me structurally in the forward line, it, it's just not right. It's not working because. Um, Here's
0: one here, Mac. I, this is Chase Jones gets off the lead and there's space in front of him. And instead of kicking it into that space, we kicked it to a pack over his head. Now, Chase Jones had, had time and space. All the. I forget who had the kick. Might have been Tom Lynch. Yeah, I remember. remember. Hmm. Might have been Tom Lynch. But had he just put the ball into space for Chase to run onto, it, it was a shot on goal. Yeah,
1: yeah. and then it, turned out it was a turnover. So.
0: I just yeah. don't understand why we're not why we're having so much trouble up forward with our forward 50 entries. Because our midfield, after quarter time, they tightened up. Our midfield got better. Um, we started covering uh, Dangerfield a little bit better. Um, and we had plenty of the ball in terms of being able to get the ball inside forward 50. But we were just hitting it to stupid spots. We're just not putting it in the right spots i would just play a little bit of fourth quarter footage while we're talking here, Mac. But there's no rhyme or reason to to how we're we're moving the ball. It just doesn't make any sense.
1: Well, quite frankly, I'm not really... uh, You know, I often used to say uh, last year that I could not work out what Port Adelaide's game plan was. Well, at the moment... um, I, well, I can see what our game plan is ending up doing. Surely that's not what it's intended to do because only idiot would devise a game plan that, uh, that is as we're doing it at the moment. We, we just burn the ball all the time. Yeah, well, and, um, the,
0: well, I mean, the first one that I just showed there was Alex Keith couldn't hit, hit a bloke up from 20 metres and, again, he was kicking that stupid position on the boundary line. This one here is is the second of the two stuff ups by Gibbs uh, on the on the. I don't know what we were trying to do to run that ball out, but Smithers ends up having to hack kick it into the middle, and it comes straight back in. Um, and then we've got one here. Miller kicks down the line. Is uh, put it, Eddie actually should have taken that mark instead of letting it bounce, but he plays yeah. on and then he tries to hit up Tex or uh, no Riley Knight, and he's missed him by twenty meters, macker. He couldn't even put the ball. All he had to do was put the ball in front of Riley Knight, who was running into goal. And he and he couldn't he couldn't put it within twenty metres. Just couldn't do it. This is another one where Tales has kicked across the back. Um Gibbs has taken a good mark. He's gone down the line. We're moving the ball really well, if I remember rightly, on this play. Handballed over to Sloaney, who's made ground. Another little chip pass. So we're moving it well. Text back to Sloane. Back to seed, he's found Lynch on the out. I think it's Lynch on the outer side. Now, Lynch just kicks it to one Geelong player in the goal square.
1: There's nobody there
0: except that was Geelong. That
1: I remember that one, yeah.
0: And then we've got the killer. This is the killer blow, obviously, in the last quarter where we've got the situation where the ball spills out, it comes to Eddie, nice little give over to Tom. He's given it across the... Um, Crouchy, who's missed that snap for goal that even my cat would have kicked, and then from the kick out, they pinpoint a mismatch. Um, Blitzars on McKay, and of course Blitzars obliterates McKay airily, kicks it long because they've run. Meanwhile, none of our midfielders have run back because they're all dropped their heads. Geelong are able to stream forward, and of course, who's on the on his own at the end of it is uh, Gary Ablett and uh, yeah. Gary Ablett slots. But there's not one of our midfielders in that whole passage of play because they've all dropped their heads and refused to run back after Crouchy's missed that snap for goal.
1: Yeah, they more than dropped their head because at that stage we had uh, momentum. Well, and, three uh, points
0: down. Three points down. And that it, was a 12-point play.
1: And he kicks that goal, which I, I saw as a gimmick. Um, then we go, we hit the lead and we got momentum and we, we may well have gone on and won the game, even for, in spite of all the errors that we did, all the missed kicks, etc., cetera, et cetera. Um, But, gee, I'll tell you what, I, it was almost like our blokes dropped their bundle after that because uh, after that it became all Geelong.
0: Yeah, well, that was the end. It took all their wind, uh, wind out of the sails. But it, like, so I don't know whether that, uh, Crouch shot was called not fifteen or whatever but irrespective crouchy should have kicked that goal but Wild
1: what... was called not fifteen yeah
0: but what should have happened after that is that our mids because Sloan was down there Crouch was down there I think one other down there I can't remember Riley Atkins uh, Rory Atkins I think they're all very deep in our forward line but they didn't they didn't break back and Geelong were very clever in spotting the mismatch between Blitzards and McKay but they had players streaming down the ground on that break and our blokes were nowhere. So that was a 12-point turnaround and that was basically the ball game from that point of view. Extremely disappointing.
1: The only positive I can take out of the game is that um, we got beaten by, I think it was 24 points, is that right?
0: Something Um, like that, yeah.
1: Yep. And... We we, have played, we played a very, very good team because I think Geelong are going to be a very good team this year. And we made 3,000 errors and um, we didn't, as you say, many times we structurally were just not in the right place, not working hard enough to cover, uh, et cetera. And yet, still lost by four goals after missing up these uh, set shots. It uh, should have been goals as well. You take the Riley O'Brien thing. I mean, if that wouldn't make you drop your ass, nothing would. I mean... Twenty meters out, and he's playing AFL league football, and he spoons it uh, out of bounds. I
0: mean, well, what did I say on Tuesday night when Nikki said, "Oh, you can take a mark up forward," and I said to her, uh, "What's the point in having a bloke who can take a mark up forward if he can't kick a goal?" And she, "Oh, his kicking's improved." That was the most. That was the most ex- expected kick of the whole night. That that shot for goal. There was no way he was ever going to even. Get close to making that making that goal.
1: Well, I can tell I can tell you, I'm not kicking, I would I kicked kick that with a set shot with my wrong foot.
0: Yeah, of course I mean, you could
1: have seriously that was just ridiculous. That you can maybe playing AFL football and not and not kick that goal. And that that's enough to make uh, really take a great heap of momentum out of a team. And yeah. um, in that third quarter we dominated and we did we made a lot of errors as well. Uh, and didn't and we certainly didn't cap, uh, capitalize uh, on all of our dominance in that one quarter. Um, and we just wasted so many shots. So um, look there, there is some positives there, but but unfortunately they all became negative because of what we didn't do and or what, or what we did wrong.
0: Well, aside from Dangerfield, it was a very even performance by Geelong. Danger was a standout simply because we refused to to work as hard as he did to get the ball. But I didn't I don't actually I see more worrying signs than anything else, Mac, because oh, worrying. our our mid our midfield is not is not running. It's it's one pace. We did better in the third quarter because they shifted Miller in there and got some pace around the ball. But right. Brad Crouch, for all the possessions that he's getting, he gives a lot of nothing possessions. He gives a lot of possessions to blokes in trouble. He's not hurting the opposition with his possessions at all, and his positioning around the contest is woeful, absolutely woeful, Macca. He's he's yeah. not in the right spots, and he doesn't stay in the contest. He ball watches like a what like an under twelve, um, and it's a real worrying sign from the bloke who's supposed to be the missing link in our midfield.
1: Uh, I I won't blame him just alone because. I think structurally we are set up... No, 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 Matt,
0: no, 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 sorry, no. Those two incidences that I showed were nothing to do with structure because the second one in particular, uh, Brad Crouch was actually covering Dangerfield. He actually had Dangerfield directly behind him, had body on him, and then he just proceeded to ball watch. And in the meantime, Danger has got himself in the right position to get the spilled ball out, and they kick the ball forward as a result. Nothing to do with structure, nothing to do with anything other than bad positioning and bad football from a, from a supposedly an elite midfielder.
1: Well, I'm not going to disagree with you, but I'm just saying that it's, it's a lot more than just that, because... Um, the, the Once we put in uh, in our structure in, in the midfield, uh, Miller with, with pace and and then and as an outside player, it also made a total difference to the way we handled those in, that, those uh, bounces and we looked so much better for it.
0: I don't think we're running hard enough, Macca, and I think that's why we're getting pushed wide so easily and I think it's why we're having trouble with our forward 50 entries. And don't get me wrong, uh, our two key posts up forward... Particularly Jenkins, are not doing enough when the ball comes in deep to forward fifty, because uh, just about without exception, when the ball came, when the ball was kicked in more than to more than uh, to less than thirty meters out from goal, it just came straight back out. I don't think we took one mark uh, thirty meters out from goal. All our goals were and all our shots from goal from set shots were basically from short passes from 40 to 45 metres out. So we've definitely got problems with our two key posts, particularly Jenkins, because he just does not know how to play in front. But yeah. but I don't think our midfield are working hard enough. They look slow. They look heavy in the legs. And uh, and even Rory Sloan is not working as hard as Rory normally does. He lifted his game in the second half, or well, probably halfway through the second quarter, I reckon. Um, after he got that boot in the face from Danger, that was accidental. He kind of started playing a bit angry, in my opinion. But um, they're not they're not working hard enough. There's too many times where I saw them sagging off the back of contests, and the, and their direct opponent just ran forward. Menangola did it repeatedly. Dangerfield did it repeatedly, and they had direct opponents. We we're playing man. We we're playing man on man in that midfield.
1: You can't argue with anything you're saying there because it's true. Um, but uh, I also see that as not just the players. I also see that as coaching problems as well, uh, because um, we you you're seeing you're not the coach and you're seeing it. Why isn't why aren't our coaches seeing it and uh, making the appropriate changes if necessary, either in personnel or structure, to make it happen?
0: Well uh you would assume that the coaches are seeing it because it's it's bloody obvious i mean i've i've spent you know a couple of hours looking at at tape and and spotting bits and and if i can see it then someone doing a a, a post match review a monday review and putting video together for blokes i mean i'd be horrified if Brad Crouch didn't have those two bits of footage shown to him from the first quarter where he was basically slack
1: but i'm sure that would, off for of the pixies yeah.
0: So I think the problem is that our club has a culture of consistently backing blokes in. We do, no, we do not use selection to uh, maintain tension within the team. We always back blokes in to do better. We always back the team in to follow the plan better, etc., etc., etc. And I think, apart from anything else, that game on, on Thursday night was just about lost at selection, because how the hell can you pick a defense like we did when Geelong lined up the way they did? They were a yes, mosquito they were. fleet. They they were small. Yes, they were. And we had Jake Kelly, Cole Hardigan, Alex Keith, and Daniel Talia. You know, and they had four smalls in there. And then Half the time, when you see Hawkins going for the ball, who's on him? Jake Kelly. Jake Kelly is the bloke that supposedly has taken over Luke Brown's spot, and yet Jake Kelly is going up against bloody Tom Hawkins. So who's on this small?
1: (laughs) That means, obviously, Tali has been uh, lost his man. Talley was off for a little while, too, on stage there, getting a bit of a massage on his leg. But... um, I did see a couple of occasions where Kelly had to go up against Hawkins and, uh, yeah, not the right man for that.
0: But the, the problem with that is um, that's not his role. His matchup was one of the smalls.
1: No, I understand that. It means he's covering for somebody else who isn't there. Um, so, it means, of course, his man is loose. So, so
0: where's Alex Keith or where's Kyle Hardigan?
1: You know, th- this
0: is what I mean. Our, our, our um, selection... Was completely inappropriate for the Geelong side. Cam and I spotted it on on Thursday night when we were talking about it, Wednesday night when we were talking about it. That the matchup we were far too small, uh, far too tall in defence, and we we're far too one-paced in the midfield. And we don't have any uh, any sort of dynamic player up forward. We've got two small defensive forwards. We've got a, a, a further small forward who hasn't kicked a goal all year, just about. We've got. Um, um Lynchy, who got a bit more of the ball but was by and large ineffective with his disposals um, and then we've got Tex who only looks good when he's leading high up the ground and Jenkins who hasn't looked good all year apart from 10 minutes when he chopped out in the ruck against Sydney
1: you
0: know so why really are we can't,
1: can't argue with any of that
0: so the changes that you'd make Ned McHenry Has to be the one to come in for Lukey Brown. You know he's a kid, but he lacks—he doesn't lack uh, courage. He's hungry and he's a tackling machine. Surely, surely to God, you've got to bring Ned McHenry in. Then you've got two young, quick tackling machines in the team—Chase Jones and Ned McHenry. You can play them on either end of the ground. You know, who
1: are you taking? Who are you going to take out?
0: Jake Kelly. Jake Kelly is useless in, in that role. He's not, he's not up to playing a role on a small forward. He's just not the type of player to do it. He's slow and he's cumbersome and half the time he's mismatched. Jake Kelly's got to come out. Darcy Fogarty needs to come in. Why A player of Darcy's quality, I don't care. I'd, I'd like to see him down back, but I don't care whether we play him forward or back. Darcy Fogarty has to be in the team. Ben Davis yeah. has to be given an opportunity. And Riley O'Brien may as well have a line put through him because he is not AFL standard. And why the hell have we stuck with Riley O'Brien on our list for three or four years when it's painfully obvious that he's not AFL standard?
1: Yeah, well, let's deal with uh, Fogarty. Fogarty, I, I would actually... I've been saying uh, for about three weeks that, to me, Jenkins is not the answer at for forward. I'd put him out on a half forward flank and make the bastard run around and, and lead and work to get his football. because um, he has got good pace for a big man, I'd have Fogarty up at full forward, um, and and uh, then and then rest a mosquito fleet around him. Because uh, you don't you don't need that many big guys close to goal. we got too much. We're too clunky close to goal. And well, um, I don't and- know whether we're clunky.
0: Hmm. It would be great if they'd actually play in front. Mac.
1: you believe they can't mark? They can't mark. But um, at the moment, at the moment, Jenkins is a liability there. Uh, I thought Tex didn't, did not have a great game, but by the same token, Tex would have every right to abuse about ten people who ignored uh, very valid leads that he made that, that, that the ball wasn't kicked him as well. So there weren't all that many people uh, forwards giving good leads, and I, I reckon I could close to 10 that, that text made and they were ignored and the ball was kicked to a pack instead. So Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, I I half feel sorry for Walker. It wasn't one of his great games, but I half felt sorry for him. I as I just had nothing but uh, scorn for his game, I, I, I really just thought it was back to his old tricks and, and uh, uh, when we used to really get very uptight and abuse him, I just thought... He just had a very, very poor game, but he's had a reasonably poor season so far, and I'm not happy with him being the main man up forward.
0: No, I think it's come to the point where Jenkins either plays ruck or he's out of the team, in my opinion. Um, I and he's not the answer in ruck. Don't get me wrong, but I think he actually gives a. I think he'd give us a little bit more than O'Brien in the ruck. And I think it's about the only place at the moment where he looks half engaged. He, he's hopeless up forward. Um, he he he's not a natural forward. He doesn't make good positions. He doesn't run to good locations half the time. When you see the ball coming in, you see Tex and Jenkins running to the same position. Now they've been playing so, in the same yes. they've been playing yeah. in the same team for a long time now, Maka. They should. They, it should be a classic one-two punch, Jenkins and Tex, but it's not. Now, it doesn't matter about coaching. After a while, players get to know each other, and if Jenkins and Tex hasn't been able to work it out after all this time, then it's 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 time to move on from it. It's time well, to move on, it. and whether it's, it's Fogarty, really now no, whether it's Fogarty, whether it's Ben Davis, or whether it's both, to come in and give give the forward line a bit of a shake-up. Um. It, something has to happen because we've had three rounds of this now and uh, it was clear that the JLT form uh, in terms of being able to move the ball freely through, you know, from one end of the ground to the other was simply because other teams weren't putting full pressure on us. Um, and now that we are playing the real stuff and, and teams are putting full pressure, we just have no idea. There's a complete and utter disconnect.
1: Yep, Um and that, that would be that should be coming into the side, in my opinion, is Greenwood too. Um, and he should be, uh, uh, as he was last year when he was in uh, top form, he played on the ball and resting up forward. And that's when he was uh, at his best. So I, I'd certainly bring him into the, into the team. He can't be worse. Than, I mean, he's, by now he should have got a reasonable degree of fitness and he certainly can't play worse than a lot of the guys that are getting a game.
0: Yeah, but he's not pacey.
1: Matt. No, that's a problem. We 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 uh we, we don't have a pacey team, but, but having said that, I mean, if we have a look at uh, you watch the port game, um, really, the Rosie, what Rosie showed, if you've got a four that can take a mark, he's bloody dangerous. I mean, this kid, this could be playing his, He was playing his third you know, league game. And he's, he's kicked five goals, and he's taken several marks up forward. And that's the one thing we lack: that player that can take a mark up forward.
0: Hmm. Yeah, Vadi Magic in the in the chat mentions that Jenkins kicked seven goals in round twenty three last year. He might have kicked seven goals in round twenty three last year, but how did he kick those goals? He, he didn't take them from strong contested marks, you know. And we've already mentioned that Jenkins. Was far better in contested situations last year. He seems to have gone back into his, into his laconic, shell again this year, where he just doesn't want to present, it doesn't want to um, you know take physical contact and and impose himself. Whereas last year he seemed to have gotten over that, but he's lost it again over the summer. I, <coughs> pardon me. I, I just think enough is enough with Josh. I, I really do.
1: Well, we really we really, really lost me in that situation when. Um, the ball was in out between the forward pocket half-forward flank and uh, he ended up with some miserable effort and the ball's gone out of bounds and he seemed very relieved and just jogged away rather than putting in a decent effort to get the ball. I thought yeah. that was pathetic, that was.
0: So I put up a question, Macker, in the Facebook chat and I, I wanted your opinion on this. In terms of our ball movement, there's a couple of things that have crossed my mind. One is it looks like we... It looks as if we're carrying a very heavy training load at the moment, or we're just very slow. One of the two. But the other thing is, we're not very fluent, and it makes me wonder whether we're being overcoached at the moment. Whether there's too much going on in the in the small little footballer brain at the moment when they've got the ball. Um,
1: well, at times they do look confused. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there, there were some passages of the play when when we did have our good passages of play. I, you know, that's when I think they were actually playing the game plan. We try to play, but we just didn't do it very often. That was all. Um, And basically, the idea is to be patient with the ball until you see and and work it till you just see that opening and then go quick into the forward lines. But um, unfortunately, with nobody leading, that doesn't comes to nothing in the end, anyhow.
0: A lot of people were complaining about Jimmy Bartell's comments on Thursday night, but I thought he was fantastic, and he he said a couple of really good things, and one of them was that you want to either go into your forward line very, very quick or very slowly. You don't want to be in the middle, because if you're slow and you move the ball in, at least you're set defensively if the ball comes out. And if you're quick going in, then obviously you've got the opportunity to catch the defenders out of position. But if you go in sort of meandering, half half asked about it, you're neither here nor there. Your defence isn't set, but your forwards haven't really got themselves into position either. So, And it seems to me that that's exactly what Adelaide were doing most of the time. We weren't moving the ball lightning fast. So by the time we got to our forward line and pumped the ball in, Geelong had had enough time to get themselves set defensively. But as a consequence, when the ball came out, we weren't really set defensively to get return inside 50s. And it seems to me that there's, oh, we're not a fast team, but we're not patient enough to hit hit up targets. And the only time we did it was in the third quarter, Macker, and that's when we got back into the game. There were four yeah, or five, that's four that's or five examples...
1: I think that was the, the, in that period we were playing the game plan. We we were intending to play for the day, but I think it was about the only time we played it reasonably correctly, but also wastefully as well because we missed a lot of opportunities we should have taken because uh, we did create a lot of opportunities in that quarter.
0: Yeah. Uh, and by the way, someone needs to get Jimmy Bartel on our coaching panel. Quick, smart, I reckon he's an extremely, extremely insightful. Uh, ex-player with valid uh, recent experience and I think he would be an excellent addition. His I don't know how you felt about it, Maka, but his insights from my point of view uh, and the way he was able to give some insight into how Geelong was playing against Adelaide uh, were very, very interesting in my view.
1: Well, uh, I rate Bartel very highly, actually. Um, He was a very, very good footballer, he was a very smart footballer and um, as a commentator you can tell that he, he, he really understands the game um, if you look at our, who, our coaching panel uh, Pipe Rouleau is very very heavily on it and if we look at uh, one end you've got Ben Hart who we told to go look elsewhere for a job and hopefully would get one somewhere else, nobody else would take him so rather than pay him out and um, we stuck with him. I mean, the comparison between him and Teague, it, well, it, it's, well, I'm not, it's, really like, it's like golden ship to be honest, to be very <laughs> honest. Um, I was trying to think of a better example, but. No, that pretty much does it. That.
0: Yeah, that pretty much does it.
1: And, you know, we, look, we had Bird Brain the decade, the year before. I'm sick and tired of our club now being. A lot of people say it's nice to have the, the old boys return. And it is if they've got the ability to do the job. But, you know, um, Birdman, he wasn't qualified to get the job that he got. And in my opinion, uh, Hart wasn't – he was sacked by Collingwood. We took him on. Why? Well, I think because he's a mate of Ricciuto's. Uh I have no idea why we took him on. And uh,
0: Let's let's just have uh, a look at the coaching panel for a minute, Mac. Because this is a team, or this is a club, that was in a grand final two years ago and were quite happy to blame injuries and off-field disasters for last year's aberration and fully expected to be back in the mix um, this season. And yet they have given their coach the following assistance. Scott Campriali, who's been there for 7,000 years who has no experience outside of the Adelaide Football Club from a coaching perspective and his playing uh, um, days are so long ago that I doubt that he'd, he'd even remember them. We've got Matty Clark who cuts, <laughs> his, Matty Clark cuts his time half between um, the women's and he'll be back on deck now with the men's. Then we've got Ben Hart who got fired from Collingwood and only got kept on at Adelaide because we couldn't get anyone else. And then we've got two apprentices. You know, Marnie Matner, who is obviously a good SANFL coach, and and Gordon, who's obviously a good... But they're two first-year coaches in the AFL system. So our premiership-winning team, apparently, is going to be coached by Don Pike, a has-been, and two... <laughs> and two apprentices what sort of a coaching panel is that to give your head coach when you're hunting a flag what what sort of coaching panel is that Mac?
1: well uh, and i think that's half the uh, uh, answer to the problems that we're talking about um because um we, we when when we have problems on field um they don't seem to get corrected uh, very quickly and sometimes not corrected at all um, and yet with the opposition if we get on top in a particular area, they've got coaches that work it out and work out a way to, to slow us down in that in that particular area. so your point is very valid it's really uh, giving boys to do a, man, a man's job and it's, that's not going to work.
0: No, well, at the end of the day, we were promised by Andrew Fagan a best-in-class football department. And I don't think by any measure he could suggest that at the moment we have a best-in-class football department. You know, our football department is is headed up by Bird and then you've got Pikey and then you've got the assistants that I just listed. Now, that's not a best-in-class football department. So what the hell is going on? Why aren't we prepared to spend the money to... Get decent assistant coaches in um, to help out Don because, you know, you can say what you like about Don's coaching style and I've got my opinion on on Don's coaching style, but irrespective of that, you know, we've lost some very good assistants over the last couple of years, plus we lost a very good strategy guy to Essendon as well in the last couple Mm. of years. We've lost some good talent. Uh, some good coaching talent but in that time there's been coaching talent available Brett ratten has been available Peter Sumich has been available there's been a couple of others that have been available uh, you've got Jimmy Bartell who, who's sat on the sidelines who would be a very very valuable acquisition in my view why can't we get these people across why are we relying on on you know, and no offence to these people that we've got on, but is it an appropriate panel to have around a senior coach when you're supposedly dead set in the middle of a premiership window? I don't think it is.
1: Well, I think PJ makes a good point about not putting money into it. I think because we're in Adelaide, we 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 really do have to put up a little bit more than the market rate to lure people uh, to come to Adelaide. And really, uh, you have to have to target people and then... Uh, pay whatever is necessary to get them to come. But I do you really want to get the best?
0: I, I don't actually. Um, I don't actually see that. I, it's probably a valid point, Maka. But our CEO made the statement that he was going to compile or assemble the best in class football department. And you don't make a statement like that unless you understand how you're going to have to do that, because that's not a throwaway line. That is a big call. We're going to have the best in-class football department. He must have understood the climate in Adelaide, the conditions around recruiting people, etc., 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 or else it's just a, it's just lip service. So which one is it? Did they really have any intention of doing that or was that just something to say?
1: Either that or they're the worst judges in the world because, um, I mean, the minute you've thrown in Ben Hart and the minute you've thrown in Burton and the minute... Uh, Oh, uh we put in reed's son there when he was inexperienced and he's had to learn on the job as well um to me uh, they certainly have by their actions have not certainly uh, backed up that claim by the ceo
0: no that that's exactly right and this is this is my point you know there are there are times to have young inexperienced like you could forgive say a saint kilda to, for having a, an inexperienced coaching panel because they're a young team on the rise you know they probably their coaching panel is probably going to benefit from the experience as they improve. Gold Coast the same, you know. It's so. but look what happened to Richmond once they actually got rid of their their crap out of their coaching panel and actually installed a decent coaching panel around Hardwick. They got results. You know this is what needs to happen. We need to actually put good people around Don to support him, give him good information, good feedback, timely feedback, so that we can be much more dynamic. Because at the moment, I reckon we're just about the easiest team in the competition to play against because both Geelong and Hawthorne have played exactly the same style against us. They've pushed us into uncomfortable positions wide. They've denied us the corridor. They've clogged up our forward 50 and denied us deep entries. Sydney couldn't do it because they're probably not playing good enough to do it. But those other two teams have done it the same as they always have. And we're so predictable, Macca... That it makes you wonder why we're paying all that money to all these coaches who have spent the entire off season and they can't even come up with a decent kickout strategy
1: <laughs> yeah that was that was disgusting seriously that was disgusting but um there are to me, there are so many areas of improvement, but to do that they're going to actually uh, the coaches are actually going to have to acknowledge the fact they've made a lot of errors and they're going to actually have to change uh, selection and structure to get them to play the type of game plan that that will win games and will be good enough to take into the finals. At the moment, uh, as you say, Hawthorne and Geelong, they both set up very similarly against us. They allow us, they just wait for us to come and make mistakes and bring the ball to them. Um, uh, We really do need something different. Uh, that makes it a little bit difficult for that particular game plan to work because at the moment uh, we haven't got the answers to it.
0: Geelong laid forty-eight tackles against us, got ten more rebound fifties than us, had four less inside fifties than us, and won by by four goals. You know, we we beat them in contested ball. You know, we were uh, uh, sorry, we beat them in the clearances. Uh, We got plenty of ball, we got plenty of inside 50s. We had enough statistically, we had enough to beat them, and yet we were struggling the whole evening, um, aside from maybe a 15 to 20 minute patch in the third quarter.
1: Yeah, well, the interesting thing is that uh, uh, we were rated uh, as having the best personnel and therefore. Uh, the, the best chances of winning a Premiership before the season started then because of the quality of player that we have. Now, if, just assuming that champion data know a little bit about their game, um, and even if they're not totally right, um, we should be doing better than we're doing, which means that then if there is either something wrong in the what, what the way that the players are playing or something wrong in the game plan they're trying to, to play. So... Um, yeah, there's got there has to be changes made probably
0: in both areas. Well, let, let's have a look at it from a stats point of view. Just, I'll just pick out a few players. Crouchy had 35 disposals. Gibbs had 27. Matt Crouch had 27. Tom Lynch had 26. Now, do you think any of those four players had a had a big influence on the game?
1: Um, which um which Brad Crouch, the...
0: <laughs> Brad, Brad Crouch, Bryce Gibbs, Matt Crouch, Tom Lynch.
1: Tom Lynch, no. Bryce Gibbs, no. Matt Crouch, a bit. And who's other? one? Brad Uh, Crouch?
0: Yeah.
1: Brad Crouch, I thought he had an impact. Um, He was guilty of the things that you mentioned, but he also did have a... I thought he had a positive impact, a net positive impact. But uh, Tom Lynch, no. Bryce Gibbs, no. Uh,
0: I'll tell you something. I don't think Brad Crouch is an outside midfielder. And that's a problem because we've got too many inside players.
1: Well, in, in fairness to him, though, in fairness to him, he's been out of the game for like a lucky year and a bit. Uh, you don't forget uh, how, how to hard.
0: play, Macca. You don't. No,
1: you don't right forget how right to play. Token, best way to get him back into the game is to let him play outside, and he, he'll gradually force his way back in, in as an inside player again. He's got no, like a chicken. And he, no, no, he no. I'm, I'm
0: saying. I'm saying. I'm saying that the only time that he's useful is when he's playing inside right he had eight clearances right he had tons of contested ball he's great inside he's a bull inside but he's not an outside midfielder and yet we played him for a large portion of the game outside the contest and as i pointed out in my analysis of the first quarter he was directly responsible for at least two goals against us and a number of other free ball from Dangerfield because he just would not chase, right? So we got Rory Rory Sloan, 26 touches. Now, Rory tried hard, and I reckon he had a really good patch from about halfway through the second until the end of the third. Um, But aside from that, I I felt like it was just a workmanlike display. Uh, Leary had 24 of the most inconsequential touches you ever see. Brody Smith didn't really hurt with his twenty-two. Miller did all right when he came onto the ball in the second half. Um, had ten tackles to Wayne Miller, which was a really good effort. Um,
1: yeah, I, I disagree with you about Brad, Brad, uh, Brad and sloney I thought they both did play their guts out. Now they may have made errors, and uh, all players make errors. But um, I, you could those two did. I thought they gave a lot.
0: I'm not uh, saying they're not trying, Macca. But there's, there's times where you've got to be smart about how you're playing. And I don't think any of our midfield are actually playing very smart right now.
1: No, but you need play, to be smart, you need players around you to use to be smart. And uh, at the moment, I don't I think there's that
0: that's much my point in, in the way my, we're playing. That's my point. I don't think we have the right mix in the midfield. I think we have too many grunt players and not enough finesse players. And uh, Bryce Gibbs was supposed to be that finesse player. But he's ended up just being basically the sweeper out half out out, out the back, uh, because he can't seem to uh, he doesn't have enough pace uh, to be able to break he have free pace from, at all. Not yeah, so he can't break free from any congestion whatsoever. Um, Brody Smith uh, is all right when he's played through the middle. Wayne Miller is all right when he's played through the middle. They have to persist with those two through the middle um, because we just don't have anyone else. You know, And yeah. we talk about Hugh Greenwood coming in and we talk about CUI being unlucky and, and on the surface you'd say, yeah, they deserve to be in it and, and perhaps they do. But they just make us look even more one pace. We actually need some speed through that midfield group uh, and some creativity through that midfield group because at the moment they're just a bunch of one pace hacks.
1: Look, we, we played good money and gave up Good draft picks to get Gibbs. Um, I think I agree with the comment made in the chat. He, he, to me, he's been a disappointing player in the sense that he he's not going to be ever be that little panacea that's going to result in us winning a flag. He, there are certain players that if you have them in your team, they are the difference between you being a certain level and going up to another level. Gibbs is not that man. Well, but when we recruited
0: didn't... him to be that man.
1: Yeah, but we read the wrong guy. He's he, he he's a very good player. He's an honest player and uh, he, he's got limitations uh, because he hasn't got pace. Really, the type of player that you should be recruiting to your team if you really want to go that one step further is somebody that can, a burst player like a Lockie Whitfield, that type of player. The player that can do the electric thing that will get the team charged up and really, really, the crowd rev, because they can do the outstanding things. Gibbs is just an honest worker. That's all he is.
0: Yeah. And at the moment, it looks like, in my opinion, Gibbs' best spot is across halfback. Um, at, as, that, as yes, as, as, so we paid essentially, you know, one and a half first rounders for a halfback flanker.
1: Um, not a good deal. Not no. a good deal at all.
0: No, in retrospect, not. Um, look, and... There's some other honest tries there, but again, Riley Knight only had 11 touches, seven and four. Um, Jake Kelly, I don't even want to talk about Riley O'Brien. I don't want to talk about Jenkins. Poor old uh, Paul Seizman. Uh, thank goodness it wasn't an ACL, but uh, I don't think that's going to be a short-term injury, irrespective. Um, you know, and our two key posts, Jenkins with 10 touches, four marks, and Taylor Walker with. Uh, uh, seven touches and four marks, and uh, two goals between them.
1: Yeah, you know, I think there are a couple of players that in the, uh, the 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 Snaffle team that are in good form. Um, Scholl, for example, um, who was uh, one of our draftees this year, he had a boomer on the weekend, and playing he plays in defence, and he he's got he's a good mover of the ball. Um, McHenry's got pace I, mean, I think it's got the stage where we've got to play at least one or two of these guys each week to try and get something different, a different mix into the team and and to me also, I what, I, I can't believe that a bloke of Fogarty's ability is not in our team learning his game.
0: Well it just, it just has to be in there now. Uh, there's there's no other way around it. If you're going to if you're gonna make room for David McKay, you can make room for bloody Darcy Fogarty, for goodness sakes, who's the future of your club. I agree with you on Shaw. I agree with you on McHenry. I think um, I'm not quite sure where Gallucci's at the moment, but he needs to be a priority. Um, as I think, soon as
1: he's available and fit, yeah, I agree. Yeah,
0: I, I think uh, Ben Davis needs to be a priority. Uh, I think we need to give him a run of games and see what he can do, particularly in the absence of Shane McAdam, who I would have probably had in there first, but he's not quite right at the moment. I'd also seriously Mm -hmm. consider consider Tyson Stengel um, because he's kicking goals, Mac, which is more than Betts or Murphy or Jones is doing at the moment. There's players in the twos that are playing all right that would fulfil roles and are younger and quicker and more dynamic and give us a different look. And at the moment, as I said to you before, there's a sameness about us and we must be the easiest team in the world to play at the moment.
1: Um Hunter. How tall is Hunter?
0: He's two metres. I'd have him in, I'd give him a
1: shot. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> look Riley O'Brien I thought wasn't bad at boundary throwings. Um Oh he got he got
0: monstered macker. He got uh, outbodied but, so often.
1: But he got oh, I thought he got beaten more in the centre than he did in uh oh, he got, around towed the boundary.
0: Up, got towed up in the centre. But he but, he got he got outbodied a lot at at boundary throws. Now and, I know it's and only and one
1: game, and and they'll certainly give him more chances. But um, Hunter can he can at least mark and ball. So and then he can really kick kick for a football. Hunter um,
0: Hunter is the most natural footballer of the three of them between Jacobs O'Brien and Hunter. Hunter is the most natural footballer. He'll take a grab. He's got a good kick. He's quite agile for a tall man, and he's a decent ruck. And I, I think he, yeah. he's got to be given an opportunity.
1: Well, I see, you know, to me, the, the, the old saying, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. And at the moment, I don't like what we're getting. Um, so I think we really should be doing something different, whether that be a mixture of uh, players, uh, game plan, whatever it is, um, because... Our problem really is we don't know what the players are being told to do. We can see what they're doing and we know it's not right. Um, But, uh, you know, we just can't keep doing the same thing because we'll beat some of the lesser sides, but um, we're not going to beat the the teams that are the team to beat if if you want to win a flag. And I can see our premiership window is closing very rapidly at the moment. Uh, 2017 it was wide open 2018 Burton said no we'll just smash that glass we don't want that window um, and then 2019 well we're actually not on schedule at the moment and uh, I think this is going to be our last chance for some time um, and I know you know previously pre- we were regarded as the favourites but we're looking like anything but that and um, at one stage, when Carlton looked like winning their their game uh, this week, I thought, "My God, they'll be above us on the ladder." And uh, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking of that traffic swap. and, uh, and I was thinking of myself. jeez, this is. But yeah. Well, um, the, thing, the, the moment... thing
0: is the thing is, macca, we do have a lot of talent in our team, but we at the do. Mo- but at the moment, from from what I've seen so far, analysing our games. There, there's a slowness uh, we we seem uh, unwilling to work and our connection into forward 50 and our ability to take marks inside forward 50 is terrible and couple that with a couple of strange selection choices and I think that's left us where we are so I don't think it, it, I mean it's a long season and it's easy to be pessimistic on the back of a couple of disappointing losses but it's not as if there's not something to work there, work with there but I think it comes down to whether the coaching staff, the selection panel, and the club have got the nuts to be decisive and be creative with their with their with their uh, planning and their selection and, and their and their game plan. Because if they keep serving up the same thing, like you said, we'll get the same results. So a lot of this comes down to what the coaches and the selection panel does over the next two to three weeks, in my opinion.
1: Very much so. They, 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 they do have a very heavy onus above their head, uh, a burden to carry at the moment and all that sort of stuff. Too many metaphors in that lot. But uh, they, they it is going to be a hard job of them because they seem to be going down the same path every time. They're going to have to do something different and that difference is either going to be a refinement of the game, plan to do something different in it, and I would think coupled with a couple of changes. I'm not talking about wholesale wholesale changes. I'm just t- talking about putting in uh, people that are, are in form in the twos that have got pace and who are on the way up rather than on the way down. And, uh, and, I, and I think, you know, I look at Shoal, I look at McHenry, and, uh, those two in particular I think uh, players that uh, probably in any other club might have even been tried by now.
0: Well, maybe, yeah look uh, and we can go on and on there's some work to do uh, no doubt about it and uh, a couple of terrible injuries that aren't going to help uh, Tom and and Seed going down but uh, and, and Source obviously although you could argue about that one but you know it, selection over the next couple of weeks is going to be very interesting we do have some winnable games the, the draw does soften up for us over the next three to four weeks as you mentioned so uh, we need to be even-stevens after six rounds, Mac, in my opinion, to have any sort of shot.
1: Oh, I disagree. I think uh, I mean, the next four games are all winnable games. And if we've got any aspiration to be a, a finalist this year, and particularly a finalist that's got any chance of uh, participating deep into the finals, um, I, we should. We, we should and I think we have to win our next four games. And that would put us at five and two and uh, cover up a lot of sins that have, that have gone on. But um, it's got to be uh, – because, uh, uh, you know, on the weekend, I thought there was effort, but misplaced effort. Uh, and also some people's effort's not good enough. So even though it was their maximum. So uh, – although apart from Jenkins, who I didn't think was 100%. So um, I think, yeah, like you said, it's not totally all negative. Um the way they've lost those games against Hawthorne, the way they lost them against Geelong, it's a standard template that we've seen so often.
0: That's right. And, okay.
1: And that's the thing that really gets to you. You think we can see it. I, I think every Crow supporter uh, listening now or watching, watch that game, the majority of people would have worked out what's going on. Surely our coaches can work it out. Surely they can come up with some different uh, ways that will bamboozle the opposition at least for one game um, but if, rather just keep on doing the same old, same old. But, um, yeah, I think the next four games are all winnable and if we do that, well, then we might be saying nicer things about it but at the moment, I don't feel very, very warm towards the way they're playing and I don't feel warm towards the coaches and some of the players I don't feel very warm to either. No,
0: and I'm not warming to Mrs macker She's just about to get a cock nomination.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, she's... <laughs> Look, she's, a, she's a good Trojan. She works her ass off around
0: here. <laughs> uh, all right, Mac. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there. The, no, Mickey. No, Nikki. So we won't do a cockwomble tonight. And to be honest, the uh, breakout jet and wake up awards. Uh, I don't think there's enough really there to cover, so uh, I think we might just uh, finish up. Look, thanks, everyone, for listening to us. Uh, Thanks on the chat for participating, of course. Uh, If you want to have a look at the video, uh, you can watch our video on Facebook Live on our Facebook page, AFL Crowcast, or you can watch it on YouTube, probably from tomorrow morning, uh, AFL Crowcast on YouTube, or you can go to our website once I've posted it up, AFL Thanks, Maka, for joining us. Uh, we didn't well, miss...
1: Well, very, very quickly before we go, I was going to give uh, Brian Taylor a cock uh, mumble because of the, the fact that he was trying to say that somebody had a big fluffy head. He was trying to say that they had a boof on, but it came out as a boffin hair yeah. from him.
0: Well, I think I you need was... to save that for your sweets and smacks on Tuesday night, mate. You need all the all the ammo you can
1: get. i okay, go, mate. There's plenty <laughs> there
0: all right thanks everyone thanks of course to our patrons uh we really do appreciate your support if you want to support us click on the patreon button on our website or go to patreon.com forward slash afl crowcast and we'll see you on tuesday night for tuesday night live good night all
1: yeah good night all